Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is the love gap. Why are smart women still single? Let's find out. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kind of Dating. Uh, we are always uh, so grateful for all the reviews you leave on the podcast app and the emails, which, again, you can send anytime to kindadating at gmail.com. But today, I'd love to ask you for a favor. Um, if you could help us spread the word about the podcast, um, we would be extremely grateful. Uh, you know, if you like what you hear, just all we ask is you tell a friend or two or three. Um, and that's kind of the only way we can keep growing. Uh, we're getting so much positive feedback. And uh, I would just love for... Um, us to grow together. So yeah, thanks for that in advance. Uh, let's get into today's episode. I'm so excited to have today's guest. She is a health and lifestyle journalist appearing in Cosmo, Yahoo, and Psychology Today. She's also the author of a new book that I've actually been gushing about on the show. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it last time. I am uh, fully invested in this book right now. It is called The Love Gap, A Radical Plan to Win in Life and Love. Everyone, welcome Jenna Birch. Hi, girl. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Yes, me too. Um, where are you calling from right now? I am calling from Ann Arbor, Michigan, where uh, we are having the best day of the year. Yes. <laughs> About 60 degrees and sunny. Oh, so wow. I'm in, I'm in great mood. <laughs> That's like almost like LA right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was talking to my friends out on the West Coast, and they have been, you know, complaining a little bit. We're, a we're little chilly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, it's cool because usually we have uh, our phoners are from New York and stuff. So I like when when you know we're expanding and having guests from like different parts of the world. Um, yeah, Jenna, we we got to ask you. We ask every guest this question: single or in a relationship? Yeah, I am like that's such a loaded question, but <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> It is closer to a relationship than not. Yeah. Uh, as if you read my book, we're kind of like in that ambiguous territory, which is completely normal. We all you're, have these commitment issues. <laughs> you're kind of dating. I am kind of dating. This, yeah. is, this is very true. I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's why we have you here. Um, but, you know, we the real reason you're here is because you have an awesome new book out. Um, is this your first book? It's called The Love Gap. This is my first book, and I've always been waiting to write a dating book because I've been discussing this, you know, ad nauseum for years, I'm sure, as you have. Yeah. <laughs> talked about this. So this is exciting, and, and the first, you know, deep dive into something that I'm super passionate about, so I'm really excited to talk about it and that it's finally out there. Yeah, so so do you want to explain it a little bit? I'd love people to know what, what the book is about and who it's geared towards. Yeah, so I have this like particular group of women like all my single friends who are super independent and great um and I'm one of them as well who's always had these issues in relationships where it comes down to commitment um it, it, and for some reason we've had so many guys look us in the face and tell us you're exactly what I want but I still can't be with you <laughs> oh, and we kind of we kind of got to the end of you know the metaphorical cliff where we're just like I don't know what to do like what, what, how am I supposed to fix these problems that keep occurring? So the love gap was born out of the idea that 
if, if we are the quintessential, you know, girl everyone wants to be with, like, why are all these women still single? Um, so the love gap is the explanation for that, which is why don't men commit to the things that they want? <laughs> that, that is that was my big question when I started. Yeah. And, and so, so sorry, go ahead. So, yeah. So all, like that is basically where we start with the word vomit and the thought vomit. <laughs> um is all about, you know, explaining the underlying psychology of, of why we don't always go after what we want, um, why we choose the things that we do. And, you know, I, I like talking about problems that people aren't addressing. And this was one that, you know, I, I couldn't watch any of my friends go through it anymore. And I couldn't go through it anymore where it was just all these frustrations where I'm like, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about these women issues in a really open way. Um, and so that was where it was born. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's it's fascinating because I, I, the two things I like a lot about the book is because, uh, you you know, you one, you're not shitting on anybody. So this isn't like you're shitting on guys or you're shitting on girls. You're It's it's much more about literally what is that gap between the way men think and the way women think and the way men perceive and the way <laughs> women perceive. And, uh, and the other part I liked about the book a lot was – um, you also aren't telling people how to live and, and what to do in the book. You're explaining right. the psychology behind why we all think the way we do and, or approach life the way we do. And people can take from it what they need to because the truth is there are so many, you know, um, nuances in people's relationships. Like people will send me emails being like, this happened. And I'm like, I can't give you the exact advice because – really right. that's like a tiny fraction of what your entire real story is right um right so you're I you tell know people this that is all cool the time. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's like I, I can't tell people exactly what to do because I've always really believed that empowering people with the information uh will help them make the best decisions mm-hmm. and you can adapt it to your life and if you even if I were to sit down with you and we were to discuss our relationship problems you know over coffee or dinner or drink I'm only going to be giving you one page of a novel mm-hmm. and you're going to have to figure out on your own how the information like fits into context. And I really believe that having, you know, empowering women with the ability to understand their situation better can help them make better decisions. Um, and I didn't want to criticize anyone or demean anyone because we're all on this life journey where we're trying totally. to figure out, you know, how we're going to balance everything we want, which no generation has ever asked for more. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we want to have fulfilling lives all the way around. So, so getting to commitment when you're, we have this idea that it's, it's really weighty as a concept. So, so when it starts to hit that, that, that that's coming, a lot of people tend to freak out about it. And I want to explain, you know, why we're doing that, uh, especially why men might be freaking out more than women. Um, I think that we're a little bit more equipped to deal with, you know, these bigger issues and juggle things and just kind of, decide like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it all yeah <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. work on it I'm gonna do it all but men are like I want to focus on this one thing and then, and then I'll get to commitment after that but you know women were like we don't want to press pause in our lives we have to like uh we have to address it in like a really constructive way so the book is like how how what are possible ways that we can address this yeah, and I, I think the other thing I, I really liked about it was that it was very research-based and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of case studies, it's real research, you talk to a lot of uh, prominent and uh, well-to-do 
professors and psychologists mm-hmm. and experts in the business um, of psychology, and including one of our friends who was on the show, Dr. Marissa T. Cohen. Um, you had her, and she she you know specializes and teaches a course in like the science of mm-hmm. relationships. And the most fascinating thing I took, one of the most fascinating things I took from the book right off the top was, you know, in the earlier chapters as you were discussing it, you had said that uh, through your research, and this is something Marissa also talked about when she came on the show, was um, some professor, and I, I'm I, I'm totally going to be paraphrasing this, but some big professor <laughs> um, had said that the biggest problem in modern dating is the phenomena of why smart women can't find suitable matches. And, right. And according to, you know, Dr. Cohen, who was on the show, she said something like 87% or something of guys all say that they want a smart, independent, funny a girl who's got her shit together, she's ambitious, she's going for it, whatever. But it, like, stats prove that men don't tend to actually go for that girl. Right, right. So there was a definitely a study. Um, I, I had heard all those statistics, and, you know, they passed across my desk um, because uh, Helen Fisher is, is a really prominent biological anthropologist. She works with Mass.com. She's written tons of books. I love her research and Singles in America comes out every year. And I was really excited, you know, to hear, I think this was 2015, um, when George Clooney had recently settled down with the mall. And this was kind of the peg was like smart women, like men want this woman Mm -hmm. um, who is independent and ambitious and, you know, is going to call them on their shit, like all that kind of stuff that, you know, we think that we are and and we are as, as women, but I, actually looked around my whole life and I was like are these the women that are in relationships and it was like no the answer was no and, and there's like so much more to that story I think with like Amal and George Clooney obviously they're two very well and different the, kinds of people and the and caveat still, is also you know, like no George Settle keeping... sorry I was like about to say that the other caveat is George Settle yeah. for Amal at like 55 you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he could only yeah. handle so he could only harder. handle the smart, independent girl who could take right. you know who wasn't going to take his bullshit at fifty five when right. he was so like, "All right, I got to stop fucking around." Yeah, and I remember looking it up too just recently, just because I was like, you know, I don't really know anything about Amal's dating history, so I like started to look it up, and uh, sure enough, the first thing that I saw was. Um, like a like an e news article where like all the men were intimidated by a mall, but when she was single, I was like, of course they were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, that that's that's what I expected to find mm-hmm. um, if I did a little bit of digging, because that's typically you know the story that we get when we break it down. So I mean, I w- I wouldn't be able to get this out of a guy in a passing comment um, when I would do my casual interviewing or my casual like case testing is what I kind of call it, uh, um, of the vibe. I would ask guys, you know, you know, what are you looking for? And, and they would tell me, yeah, I want this independent, like, smart, ambitious woman. You know, she's got her shit together. Like, you know, she, we want to be together. It's not like got a need and, like, all this other stuff. Um, and I was like, okay. So I processed all of that. But then when I would, like, really sit down with guys, like, I mean, I would take, this would be having real conversations where, you know, we're getting deeper. I'd be like, yeah, they, they talk to themselves out of it a lot. And, and I... I was starting to see that happen mm-hmm. um, in my everyday life with all of the women that I was, you know, having these close conversations with. That's what like their commitment story would be like. We got we got really close and it was like on the brink of like, you know, 
I knew we were heading for a relationship, but like it was just a dead stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, why are we seeing this over and over again? And it's, well, it's all this, you know, psychological distance when you're actually like forced to confront, you know, a potential future, um, somebody that, you know, you would see yourself committing to long term, then it's like, I have to confront like whether or not like I can step up and I have my shit together enough to do that. So that was like the big story when we dug deeper with guys, but we had to get beyond that. Like, this is what I want versus like, this is what I need Mm. to feel good in this relationship. And so you talk, you talk about sort of the full package woman, right? You call her the end goal girl or the end goal woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of describe her as like the, the aspirational girlfriend. And it was so funny because I had a guy actually just say that to me he's like you know that's what you are and I was like fuck me like and and exactly what you're saying is totally true like I have a perfect example of I was with somebody for two and a half years and um when I was younger and he was older than me he was seven years older than me and he uh uh we it didn't work out and when we were together he was like you're too ambitious and he actually made me choose between my career and him at one point. And uh, then he ended up uh, marrying the girl that he, you know, sort of cheated on me with, who was like, who was younger and just starstruck and like a kid. And he was like totally the grown up in that relationship and could kind of like mold her. And uh, yeah. And so like 10 years later, now they're on the outs and they are, you know, uh, in the final stages of a divorce and he and I are cool now and friends and he actually was like told me that he's like I want somebody like you like ambitious whatever because he realized like when he was with her like she needed him for everything and she wasn't right her career was based off of him and sort of piggybacking off of him and now and he's 40 now that is dawning on him that shit this whole time, like I needed somebody who was you. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, sucks to be you right now. Um, also <laughs> yeah. sucks to be me to have, a, <laughs> to have to listen to that shit. Um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but you know, like that's like a classic example of this. And you brought up a good point. I want to talk also about the psychology of this. Cause you had said, <laughs> Something that, you know, um, again, this is this is me like paraphrasing. So you have this end goal girl and then you have the the profiles of these guys that we're going to discuss. Um, what mm-hmm. separates men and women and something you discuss in more detail is the Ma- is Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs. Correct. Yeah. You want to yeah. explain that a little bit more? Sure. So Maslow's hierarchy is something that's like it's a backbone like a psychological concept, like people use it all the time. So I'm mm-hmm. like, what can we use to sort of visualize how men and women are navigating your lives and fulfilling needs? So the whole hierarchy of needs is, is basically the idea that a need is uh, it's um, activated when it goes unmet and you're constantly working to fulfill your different needs. So that's like a human thing. So I was kind of looking at, like, what are the different ways that men and women seem to be operating? And part of this was, you know, uh, part of it was, like, the psychology. Um, I, I do love Helen Fisher's, um, the way that she talks about how men are, like, laser beams and, and women are web thinkers. Mm. So men are very focused 
they're step oriented. They do things one at a time. They do it well, then they move on to the next thing. Uh, women, we are very like, we're holistic thinkers. We're going to, we're going to do what needs to be done. And we're going to kind of jump around the hierarchy, fulfill a lot of needs at the same time. And we're still going to be working towards like the ultimate growth goals, which is the top of the hierarchy, um, which we're looking at, you know, self-actualization. So, so those are the relationships that we really want as like modern people. We, mm-hmm. we want self-actualizing relationships. They're partnerships and they're going to make us better. Um, but that's what we want too is like, you know, smart, independent women. We want someone who makes us better. We have so much on our own that like the simple support is okay, but we want somebody that's like really great and going to improve our lives. And I, that's what people told me all over and over again. I want someone who challenges me is going to make me better. I'm like, yeah, this is totally modern. It's a different kind of relationship. But, but the way that we get there is totally different. Women are ready so much faster just by nature of being more mature. We talk about, you know, why men are a little bit behind in that way, kind of like the way they're raised. Um, they, there's such a focus on success and doing well mm-hmm. um, that, that there's pressure on them to have their career set from a very young age. Um, well, at the same time, school structures are, are kind of changing. There's less physical activity. Um, boys tend to get in trouble more frequently. This has been common. It's like a truth universally acknowledged for a really long time in studies that boys get in trouble more often. Um, and they tend to do less well in school. So mm. now we're seeing these educational gaps um, where women are obtaining degrees at a higher rate. We're definitely outpacing men. And our generation is really starting to outpace men in, in the workforce too. So, so we're going to see a ton more women breaking glass ceilings. It's just going to keep happening. We're going to keep talking about this and, and we're going to, grow that gap even more and men still though feel the focus to be like a provider they feel like they need to have you know a certain level of success you know to be worthy of their smart girlfriends and be able to provide at least bring something to the table um so that kind of delays commitment because they're focused on success well we're kind of trying to meet all of our needs at once and we're willing to adapt when you meet someone special we're like we're gonna we're gonna figure it out like we can do it it's kind of a team effort, we think, in that way. But men are like, no, I have to get my shit in order first. <laughs> or I can't handle this. You, this smart girlfriend who's, you know, succeeding to my left. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I'm they... trying to get all of my shit together. And that psychological, like, play between you don't think you're in competition and you're really not. Um, and men know that, but they kind of still have that psychological role and the pressure to succeed and the pressure to be a provider. And if they don't feel like they're doing that, they don't feel like they're bringing anything to the relationship, like in the table, like bringing it to the table. So that those different psychological concepts were really interesting to me, like the tension between the sexes that we're not really talking about, because I, I've been seeing that with experts a ton. They're like, well, we're not really talking about men who are falling behind. Um, and, and that's like the next step. I hope that we can open the door to talk more about that. But oh, yeah, meantime, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Has in the meantime, our generation has the problems that it has. Mm-hmm. We have to deal like in the moment with how we've been raised and socialized. Um, we can't really go back and undo that. We just have to work like together to fix these problems and to fix these pressures. So two of the other things that you had talked about in um, in this area was a one that, you know, biologically men and women also uh, – have different timings and the way they think about time, right? So like guys mm-hmm. tend to be more in the now because they don't have a clock and women biologically <laughs> have and societally have been uh, 
kind of geared and and um, molded into thinking that we have a clock. And so right. guys in the beginning of relationships, uh, guys and girls both tend to stay in the now. But in a couple months, um, women are more forward thinking and men are not because they're still in the now. And a woman is like, right. hey, does this have potential? Because I have a clock. This is like my time is valuable. And it's the same thing. Like for right. me, I don't even... Like, I don't want to get like, I'm not sure about getting married and having kids personally, but I still feel a clock about like the wastage of my time. You know what I mean? Like where guys can feel more in their prime for a longer period of time than we can. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, if this isn't working out, like, I look good right now. So I got to keep this moving (laughs) and find somebody else. (laughs) Like, bye. Um, Right. And time is just stressed on us from mm -hmm. such an early age. Like we are taught to we are taught that like there are expirations on things. I mean, we do feel, I think you have that biological tick no matter what, whether or not you want kids or you're actively aware of it. I do think it's a pressure that are just placed on women. Like we've also been, you know, taught about aging, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the concept we're doing a little bit better with, but you know, we still grew up with like a billion magazines telling us how to stop the clock. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and that also, uh, the reason I was mentioning that is that that also, uh, changes the way like you were saying in the book that guys and girls then become ready at different paces so an end goal girl like this smart woman that a guy wants forces a guy to think about things that he is not ready to think about because his emotional capacity hasn't like gotten there yet because he's still living in the now and she's going on a little bit and him being forced to think about something he's not ready to think about creates that gap. Yeah. So the thing, the big thing too, that is like really different, I think is that like, unless a man is actively looking for a life partner, which is like a big concept Mm -hmm. and it's not why most people date. They don't go on every date and they're like, you know, maybe this one's my life partner. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really ready for that. Um, Unless they're at that point, um, men tend to be a little in flux and not ready, but the odds that that you're going to go on a date and be further along than the guy that you're sitting across from, those odds are very high. Oh yeah. (laughs) So, so the big thing with that is that I had to like, spell that out in my book which I was like if you can't stop talking about the future then you can't date a guy who's not ready because mm-hmm. he's going to start freaking out that like the future is impending yeah so that that kind of becomes an issue um for women like how long is how long have I given this so that like it's a reasonable amount of time to like assess if there's potential on my side for him to know who I am and what I'm about and like being able to lay down you know my needs um will still you know you don't want to create a bunch of pressure that still doesn't create a great relationship dynamic either. Mm-hmm. So like that's a constant conflict for women too. Is like the minute that you lay down knees, all of a sudden like fun and games have stopped, you know, it's, we have to stop like everything to like work through this psychological dilemma then. Uh, and it does happen for women faster. I see that tons of times where, where the minute the future comes up or what's happening here, then like guys, like it's a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's the part that to be honest with you is the most frustrating part of dating and, and something that I called out, you know, people know him now, 28 year old, like I, I called him out on that, which mm-hmm. was like the, 
I can't be in a relationship anymore where like I'm on eggshells and only the man is running the game. Like it's only at right. his pace. I have to constantly be worried if he's freaked out. I have to constantly be on edge of like what I say and what I don't say because he's going to panic. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. fuck you. Like, why the fuck is anybody worried about what makes me panic? You know what makes me panic? The fact that you're acting like a fucking crazy person. But I still let you right. be crazy. You know, because it, I have the emotional maturity to understand that you're crazy is like something that we can work through. But if, you know, or right. like we can discuss and talk about. But right. like right. constantly being at, you know, I don't know. It's just I, I just find it to be uh, frustrating and unfair and, and something that I I don't personally even want to like deal with anymore where I have right. to be like, oh, um, you know, waiting for him to plan. Like this, this was a good example of this, like with with us he he would initiate every single date and mm-hmm. i let him because i was like let him be the man you know but at the end it becomes right. if i had said one thing that made the made him feel like the relationship had moved forward it was a panic attack and then right. and then it came he'd be like well why didn't you, why didn't you take more initiative in planning stuff i'm like because if i did you would freak out like you would just yeah, freaked out and- about me saying a word you know, right. and I had to I, I've had to point that out to guys, too. I'm like, do you realize that everything is on your turn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I have to adapt to everything that you're doing because uh, you can't handle like it's it's always a boundary. Yeah. when Like you ask for something or like you have a need, you state a need. Um, and so a lot of times that men will put distance between you, then you know, mm-hmm. they'll do the distancing thing. They'll they'll need to collect themselves. You'll feel a gap. And then, I mean, I used to tell that. I used to get on the phone with my mom all the time and tell her that. She'd be like, oh, what's happening with so-and-so? And it'd be like, oh, he's just going to freak out right now. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what I would have to do. I just have to explain, like, you know, he's trying to figure out, like, if he can do this. It's always, like, a constant back and forth. And yeah. like, even when it comes down to, I mean, I remember my ex was like this, where it was like, no matter what happened, like, if I, like, I would always pick up the phone. I would always meet him if he needed anything. Like, no matter what the need was that, you know, he had, I would, I would step up for that. And like, in whatever it was that like, I needed something, like if I called you and pick up, so I was like, I really need to like, see you or like, see you this week at this time. We'd be like, well, I can't do it then. Like, I, I need to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would always be like his needs overriding mine. I'm like, well, no relationship is going to work that way. None. Um, and, and so I don't always think like, and a lot of women do, they wait for the guy. They're like, I'm just going to let him do whatever. Um, for me, I'm like, if you want to weed those ones out, then, then the good thing, the thing that I started to do was I started to ask for things early. And yeah. I was like, if you can't meet them early, then I need to know that they're not going to be like receptive to my needs. Mm-hmm. So text them more often, see how fast they respond, call yeah. them spontaneously. Do they pick up, ask them to meet you for this thing at this time on your terms, like initiate that date because if yep. he doesn't do it. You probably don't want a partner who's not receptive to you. And I think that I went, I mean, I was very passive in the beginning of my dating life too. I, I just like sat mm-hmm. back. I was like, you know what? I want to crowd him. I don't want to freak him out. I want him to be able to move at his pace. Like, I think I kind of grew up with the idea that, you know, you had to muscle men into commitment a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that in the beginning of the relationship. I played hard to get, I like sat back on my hands and, you know, got upset about things, but like let guys have, you know, their space and it wasn't working for me. I'm like, we've got to figure out where the agency lies. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really started to take more initiative um, when I date 
and, and that's the advice that I give too. And, that, and that's what I've given to like all my friends and, and it works a lot better for them because they're like, can this person meet my needs? You kind of have to get them to like step outside of their comfort zone early to see if they can keep doing those little mm-hmm. things. Yeah. So that's what I push women to do now. Yeah. Um, Jenna, we're going to keep talking and when we're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to talk about, uh, can we, can we actually find the real deal guy, as you call him in the book? Does he exist? And can we find him? Uh, but first, <laughs> this message. We only have 30 seconds to describe the newest specialty flavor in the signature crafted recipes collection by McDonald's, garlic white cheddar. It starts with crispy, juicy, and delicious buttermilk chicken, layered with a dramatic drizzle of delicious, delectably creamy garlic aioli, a crunchy medley of crispy garlic chips, topped with a slice of melty white cheddar cheese, finished with iceberg lettuce, and a juicy tomato slice all between a soft warm artisan roll. <sighs> Luckily, you can take all the time you need to savor it. And don't forget to make time to savor our other signature crafted recipes, pico guacamole and sweet barbecue bacon. I participate in McDonald's for a limited time. We only have 30 seconds to describe the newest specialty flavor in the signature crafted recipes collection by McDonald's, garlic white cheddar. It starts with crispy, juicy, and delicious buttermilk chicken, layered with a dramatic drizzle of delicious, delectably creamy garlic aioli, a crunchy medley of crispy garlic chips, topped with a slice of melty white cheddar cheese, finished with iceberg lettuce, and a juicy tomato slice all between a soft warm artisan roll. <sighs> Luckily, you can take all the time you need to savor it. And don't forget to make time to savor our other signature crafted recipes, pico guacamole and sweet barbecue bacon. I participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey, hey, guys, I'm Natasha Chandel. Welcome back. You're listening to Kind of Dating. And we have uh, an amazing author here with uh, with us today. We have Jenna Bird. She's the author of The Love Gap, A Radical Plan to Win in Life and Love. Um, and she's trying to help uh, smart women and smart girls figure out why the fuck are we still single? And uh, ideally, I think along the way, we're just trying to show some guys, like maybe shed some light on what might be going on and what this love gap between guys and girls is. So, Jenna, you got to explain to us some of these, the profiles of these guys that you discuss in the book. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So I I wanted to categorize the guys into subtypes because they all have similar patterns. If you like can break them down a little bit, mm-hmm. was not concerned about the guys that he's just not that into guys, guys where the connection wasn't there. The guys I was most concerned about were like, why aren't they committing despite the fact that we have a connection? And they're like, these are the women that these are the guys women would get hung up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to the guy that was like super perfect, which we're going to get to, but um, the basic breakdown would be an almost boyfriend is, is one of my subtypes. The almost boyfriend would be, you know, the guy that everybody's asking, why aren't you dating? Aren't mm. you guys together? This is like, you guys act like a couple, but yet you're not. Um, so, so that's one guy. Um, he hangs in your periphery and, and really, you know, wants to stay in the loop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of making decisions about you from afar. And there's the disappearing act, which is like your classic ghoster. Uh, somebody that just like says, I can't. Um, I have too much going on in my life. And he cuts all contact. Like, and it's a dead stop. It can go from like hot, to dead in a moment where mm-hmm. the breakup is like a blindsiding breakup. Um, he's been dealing with things in kind of like, he might've saw signs coming retrospectively, but he cuts things off really quick to go deal with himself. Um, the Mr. All that butt guy, um, he might even be in a relationship. You guys might even be in a relationship, but the relationship has boundaries within it. Like he can only do so much and there are rules within there, what he's willing to give and can give you. And he's kind of going to throw the ball in your court and be like, okay, you have to deal with like my boundaries and like half a relationship. Uh, those are really hard guys to let go of. 
um, because in a lot of ways, they're everything that you want. They're just not giving you what you need. Yeah. Um, so close. That's like, they're so one. close. So close. If you would just do these like one, two or three things, like yeah. it would be the relationship that you could commit to forever, but he's not doing those things. <laughs> yeah. So that's that guy. Um, and then the real deal would be the guy that's just like super emotionally mature and ready. Mm-hmm. Like these are the mythic unicorns that women are looking for um, that can kind of even shock you into some of your dating issues mm-hmm. um so, so those guys were those are the really special subtypes that i think everyone is looking for or hoping that the guy evolves into is the real deal the one thing you mentioned about the real deal that i really mm-hmm. liked is his mo um and I think it it would help a girl uh, or women just see when they might be meeting somebody how to like mm-hmm. differentiate. And you say he recognizes connection and courageously pursues it. I feel like courageously mm-hmm. is like the key word because the truth is right. it's scary for everybody, guys. And and for guys mm-hmm. out there who think girls are not scared moving forward with guys, like you're fucking lying to yourselves. Like you guys are not the be all and end all and like the only creatures who have feelings in the fucking world because women are freaked the fuck out. It's also our life. Okay. And I'm sorry for most women who want kids. They're like freaking out. Like, am I really sure I want this guy's fucking seed growing in me for nine months and then the rest oh, of my okay. life with, the, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. Like, we're the ones who have to, like, carry that burden. But we just, like, like it's literally yeah. that. You courageously pursue it. You go, okay, right. so far all the evidence is proving to me that this person, like, has the potential and I got to keep moving forward. Like, put one foot in front of the other, you know? And I think right. that's the difference between the real deal guy think- and everybody else. Yeah. And I do think a lot of women, when they meet that guy, and it can take forever, it can take such a long time. Frankly, most of the women that were in that category met that guy when they were like in their 30s or mm-hmm. 40s, older. Um, that definitely was a situation where they had to wait and they almost didn't even know. They were so used to like babying guys through their problems. And now this guy who's super mature shows up and like ready to go. And, and, they almost like that triggers a freak out in women almost mm-hmm. because they're like, whoa, like this is so completely different than either, you know, like the bottom's going to drop out is like one of the big fears. They're just like, where is the flaw? Where is it going to like, where's it going to, where am I going to find the crack? Uh, um, what's that going to look like? Um, and, and the other thing is just like, he challenges you to show up. Mm-hmm. In and that's a scary thing. Too, and I say that to people, in- I'm like, I want a dude who challenges me. And some people think like that means like combatively. I'm like, no, I mean like challenges me to be better, like challenges me to right. show up because he is like, he has expectations of me to be there for him. You know what I mean? And there are times if right. I'm not, he calls me out and I'm like, yes, I love that. <laughs> right. right. I think that that's like deep down. I think like we we're very smart too. And, and we like to be in control. Um, And we're kind of, but we know, I think all of us women know that like everybody has their like little strand of bullshit. No no matter what it is, like, you know what your thing is. Mm -hmm. I don't know what yours is in particular, but for me, like, I I definitely know when when I get into that place where I'm like slightly condescending or like, you know, I'm trying to control everything. Um, And I need someone who calls me out on like my bullshit. Like one, one of my biggest things that I learned early in relationships is that I like stopped. I stopped being able to 
take that person seriously when they never called me out. Like they would acquiesce to everything I wanted. Um, and that was another type of guy that I would date like early on. And, and I was like, I could never be with somebody like that because I, you realize after I, I needed someone to push me to look at this in a new way. I created mm-hmm. another mess. Um, and they don't because they just want to make sure everything's happy. Like, and that's like a different kind of relationship that somebody's going to call you out and be like, look, you know, you're being a bitch <laughs> or like you need to yeah. slow down and, st- and like look at the situation from the other person's side or like whatever it is. Um, and, and that's something that's scary when it's finally done to you because you're used mm-hmm. to having that role with guys. Um, yeah. So a lot of women will like really struggle and then they'll have a freak out and they'll be like, oh my gosh, look at my, my flaws are finally, you yep. know, coming to life. Uh, and that makes you confront yourself and the relationship in a new way. Yeah. And, and it can really create immense growth. Yeah, uh, and I but think... It's also... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was saying that, like, it that really reminded me of, you know, my longest relationship was four years. And I remember mm-hmm. early in, in it, very early, like a couple months, and I fucked up. Where I... It, it was something so small to, to me, but it was so big to mm-hmm. him, which was, he, you know, he played football... And it was one of his big games and he asked me to be there and I said, okay, our other friends convinced me to go to another friend's house instead. And I was like, I really got to go like watch his game. And they were like, nah, just don't worry about it. We'll get there before the end. Nothing happens. I was like, okay, fine. Just like peer pressure. Of course, I show up finally at the end and he scored a touchdown and he was like did you see it he was so excited and I lied at first and I was like yeah and then he was like he he started explaining it to me and then I had no response and he knew and he's like you didn't see it and I was like I'm so sorry and he was like legitimately upset and I realized and remembered that moment that it wasn't about me being at the game it was me witnessing his life it was about me being there for him in a way he needed and I remember feeling like fuck I fail like what a fucking terrible person and and I was like I don't even know why he would ever like me but he loved mm, yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like he loved right. me despite all of my flaws. And like in that relationship, mm-hmm. he was probably a way better person than I was. And mm. but after that moment, I promised myself I would never do that again. And I haven't. If somebody needs something and they have something going on in their life, I always show up. I'm like, it's cool. I'll change my plans. Whatever it is, I'll be there to watch, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that challenged me. Like, and it was, he didn't, mm-hmm. he, he didn't yell at me and get like mad. He just like literally told me how he felt. He's like, I'm really fucking hurt. Like I wanted you to be there. And I was like, oh, right. and that, you know, Uh-oh. and it's very rare to find that. And like, I feel like guys tend to, you know, something you also talked about in the book was like the emasculation and guys mm-hmm. tend to feel because women are moving up and like we as women also who are, who are smarter have had to put up with less bullshit because that's how we are successful in our life is right is that if we call out a guy on something and what you said he 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 and all of us when we're challenged have to face ourselves. then we forget mm-hmm. that like the other person still loves us just because they're telling us right. that there's something that we messed up and doesn't mean they're saying we don't want to be with you right. we're just saying right hey like we can all be better. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and, and you were talking about the emasculation thing where like mm-hmm. because women are moving up, guys um are overcompensating by being more masculine. 
mm-hmm. which is yeah. like also creating further gaps. Right. They they occupy the highest positions, but they're clinging to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which really it creates a lot of it creates a lot of problem. Um, it just because everybody. If you're, everybody is trying to adopt more masculine traits, too, then we miss the emotional nurturing um, that, that really helps mm-hmm. us build relationships. Um, that, that has kind of been lost as we've all been competing with each other uh, in the boardroom, trying to, like, have our voice. Um, you can't just always flip a switch mm-hmm. and, and then you become the emotionally intelligent person who knows how to build relationships and knows how to recognize needs. That is a big problem, too, and, and men are clinging to their space to try to, you know, maintain their role, too. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that they know that things are changing, but they kind of need help with mm-hmm. this transition, and they don't know how to ask for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we also had a guest on the show named Megan Wex, um, and she mm-hmm. talks about uh, something called the man funnel. Um, but her big thing is about being heart centric. And she says, you know, women, because, you know, again, we're talking a lot about what men have, uh, how men can be. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're not victims in all of this, like as as the women. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, what is our responsibility? And, um, and how can we meet? How can we also like we're saying challenge ourselves to Mm -hmm. because masculine qualities are so um, naturally kind of they're they're just given more precedence like it's like oh yeah Mm -hmm. this they're prized yeah Yeah, exactly and and like how can we start changing so that we can also be like have that that feminine or you know energy about us like being more heart open and that's something like Megan really talks about is like the way to keep your man or the way to keep a man is like through the heart like really be more open yeah and I think like it, it all, smart women, sometimes all, we're a little less emotional. Yeah, it, it all boils down to that ability to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and that, is a, that is a big one. We can't look at that as a weakness, even though we've been taught, you know, to cover that, especially when we're competing to find our space in, in life and in career. Um, is you kind of cover those vulnerabilities. But if nobody is being vulnerable in a relationship, it's not going to build. And the one thing I wanted to do with the book, especially too, was also just you know, equip women and like have them understand again that like we have been raised to be more emotionally well-rounded. We've all been fighting for these masculine spaces, but we have still been raised and socialized to, to create relationships with our friends, um, to, to be emotionally well-rounded. They've done studies on how we talk to boys versus how we talk to girls and we use complex emotional language with girls and, you know, focus on goals and they can do whatever they want to be. And there's more like fluidity there which is men, it's, it's all like be successful. Mm. <laughs> and like, that is a very hard line. Um, but women are so much more emotionally like equipped in that way that I wanted to just remember, like I wanted to remind women, you've been given these skills naturally. You probably have a leg up in creating relationships of all kinds than the guy that, you know, you're dating. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to use those skills. Even though it feels vulnerable, that's a good thing. Yeah. Like that's how you relationship that's how those walls fall you can talk about the big problems and how you're going to how you're going to create the relationship together the the walls have to fall first and so so is there hope is there hope for women uh, to find the real deal and and how can how can we do that what can we do to yeah kind of increase our odds yeah i wanted women to be able to feel like 
no matter what the situation was, no matter what the decision was, that they could dive in wholeheartedly and pursue the relationship that they wanted to have. So if that was a guy who, who wasn't ready and they were going to invest in him and like let him work it out, or whether that was a guy they were going to wait, they were going to filter for a guy who was ready and emotionally available and going to challenge them, no matter what version of connection they wanted to find. I wanted women to see that other women that are married and with their life partners have done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the case studies that I kind of bring out in the book. Um, sometimes you might have to wait um, and work with a guy like on a very individual level and be like, what do you need? And like be being able to negotiate that. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you're going to just wait, you're going to go on a bunch of dates and you're like, I'm going to wait until the real deal shows up and someone challenges me. And it might be a longer road to find that guy because he is so rare, but I want women to believe that like if they can make smart choices, like that, that is their agency. If, if a guy's not ready and you don't want to, you know, work with him a bunch because you've done that before and that's like not the dating path that you want to take, then you can filter him out. Like being not ready and being not emotionally available is, is grounds for dismissal immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so getting women on dates to be able to recognize the signs that a guy is like in that headspace where he's like, you know, he's working on his career. He's traveling a bunch. He doesn't know where he's going to be in a year. Um, you know, if he's telling you all these things, he's telling you I'm not ready. Yep. So take that information, <laughs> file it away. And if you continue to date him, like you can't say you didn't know because it was there. Mm-hmm. Like the signs were there. Um, if a guy like is ready for a relationship and he's looking for that life partner, he's going to give you all the reasons that he wants you in his life. Mm-hmm. He's going to tell you how emotionally available he is. And like, he's going to keep setting up dates. He's yep. going to be consistent. He's going to be in touch. He's, if there's an excuse out there, like, you know, work is really insane, but like, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know I can have like, I know I can talk more this weekend. Like he's going to give you reasons that, you know, and you follow up on those things. Um, but he's going to want you to know that he's emotionally available. So those are different kinds of guys. It is rare to find that guy who's like, you know, he wants to give you reasons and he's going to keep, you know, being a man of his word. Um, and he's going to keep following through. So being able to read those signs and knowing like what's going on in a guy's life, I want women to believe that they can have either thing, uh, that they're the ready guys harder to find. Um, but they want them to be able to invest in connections they believe in. That was a big bottom line. I want women to take their agency and use it. Um, I, I really believe in that making choices you believe in. So, um, I, like I do think that there's hope. I totally think that there's hope no matter what connection you want is out there. Um, and, and there is a pathway to find it. I agree, girl. Um, And before we wrap out, I want to read a quote that you had in the book that like we're going to be putting this on our IG this week for damn sure. Um, But in in the chapter of Meet the Real Deal, uh, guys and girls out there, if you're listening, uh, this this comes from like a legit, legit, legit smart, independent woman. We're talking Sheryl Sandberg right here. Um, She says, and this is a great, great quote. When looking for a life partner, my advice to women is date all of them. The bad boys, the cool boys, the commitment-phobic boys, the crazy boys, but do not marry them. The things that make the bad boys sexy do not make them good husbands. When it comes time to settle down, find someone who wants an equal partner. These men exist, and trust me, over time, nothing is sexier. I agree. Yeah. Um, I sure. feel like whenever we in, in like the, the field, uh, you know, this this big dating pool, when you do find those unicorns, they're just like so fucking hot. <laughs> You're always yes. just like, God damn it. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I, I love this book. Um, 
So, guys, everybody go get it. It's called uh, The Love Gap, A Radical Plan to Win in Life and Love. Uh, Jenna, we're not done with you, though. No. Yeah, we, we have, yeah, we have something called Six Questions. Um, it's our, you know, original dating version of the Bernard Pivot Questionnaire made famous on Inside the Actor Studio. Um, are you ready for your six question, Jenna? Yeah, because you you asked a lot of people. You did a lot of research for this book, so you asked a lot of other people questions. Now we want to know about you. I did. It's, it's weird being in that. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, but don't overthink these too much, okay? Okay. All right. So your first question: What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? I'm going to say energy. Mm. Definitely their energy. How how do they carry themselves? I like it. What is your one deal breaker? Ooh, uh, inconsistency. Good one, girl. Yes. So true. I hate that. What turns you on? Uh, voices. I think you can tell so much from a guy's voice. Um, uh, that, that really gets me. The confidence there, you know, the clarity, being able to communicate, that, that gets me every time. That's a good one. I've never heard that one. It's good. Um, <laughs> you really know what you're talking about. Uh, tell us one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Mm. My strength is I always show up. Mm. Like, no matter what it is, I always show up. Um, and, and that's like a big one for me. I'd say my weakness is... Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> I have I have plenty, but I would say like um I can be a little bit demanding. Mm. I can be a little bit demanding. Fair enough. I, I like a lot of energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is love? Oh, one of my favorites. I talk about this with a friend a lot. Um, we call love a narrowing of focus. Hmm. Nice. Besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Um, I, I would say, uh, you better me. Good one. Nice. That's literally like the self-actualized guy right there. Um, yeah, that, that would be gold. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that, Jenna. Um, guys, Jenna Birch, uh, thank you so much for joining us. How can people find you on social media and where can they get the book? Yes, uh, at Jenna Birch on pretty much every form of social media. And you can get the book now on Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble or in stores and online nationally. Awesome. Um, guys, follow us on social media, Kind of Dating, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, I'm also there. So it's uh, Natasha Chandel on Instagram and Facebook and Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Um, find me. Uh, kind of Dating Golf is presented by Meltdown Comics. Come visit us, 7522 Sunset Boulevard here in L.A. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you can take a few seconds and review us on iTunes, I would be very, very grateful. And send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, even after today, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is brought to you by Meltdown Networks. It's been created and hosted by Natasha Chandel, producer and audio engineer Mackenzie Mizell, associate producer Aisha Holden, social media coordinator Sydney Standard, theme music Joe Lorenzetti, logo character illustration by Jenna Yenick, and logo and motion graphic designer Kay Daniel Ellis. 
We only have 30 seconds to describe the newest specialty flavor in the signature crafted recipes collection by McDonald's, garlic white cheddar. It starts with crispy, juicy, and delicious buttermilk chicken, layered with a dramatic drizzle of delicious, delectably creamy garlic aioli, a crunchy medley of crispy garlic chips, topped with a slice of melty white cheddar cheese, finished with iceberg lettuce and a juicy tomato slice all between a soft warm artisan roll. <sighs> Luckily, you can take all the time you need to savor it. And don't forget to make time to savor our other signature crafted recipes, pico guacamole and sweet barbecue bacon. I participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Introducing McDonald's new one, two, three dollar menu with breakfast favorites for one, two, or three dollars. So now you can save for a, a new gaming console for my son. Wait, isn't your son five months old? Who told you? I just know these things. Build whatever meal you want with favorites on McDonald's new one, two, three dollar menu. Wake up to savory sausage and fluffy scrambled egg with our one dollar sausage burrito. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.